Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Easter to you, Nathan. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. It's a strong start. It's a strong start to a great Sunday. Uh, my wife and I were talking um, earlier um, this week about Easter and how Easter this this weekend. Uh, for some people that live in our city, Easter is nothing more than a, a stat holiday, it's a long weekend, and people are grateful for that. Uh, But of course, we know Easter is so much more than that. For others, Easter is a time when you get together with family and friends and share a meal, uh, and that's wonderful too, but Easter for us is is so much more than that. Um, There's so much significance to the day, but I thought I'd share with you um, a little story. Uh, My wife and I, back in the fall, went in to visit our daughter's classroom, you know, and so we're meeting the teachers, and we get to see some of the kids' work on the walls. And on this particular day, we went in and we saw our daughter, Nora, who at the time was six, uh, turning seven, she had done a little page about Easter, and so she drew, you won't be able to see this, but there's this giant, cute-looking bunny rabbit that she wrote, or that she drew, and then she wrote a little story talking about the significance of Easter for her, and I thought I'd share it with you if that's okay. Uh, she writes this, uh, on Easter, the Easter bunny lays our jelly bean trails, and at the end of the trail are Easter bags. The Easter bags have candy and a toy, and we eat some candy, and we play with our toys. Mom and dad just drink coffee all morning. That's how our family spends Easter. <laughs> and, and when we saw it, my wife and I are like, what? That is Easter to you? Clearly, we have some work to do uh, with our kids because, I mean, we, we go to church and we celebrate Jesus and none of that found its way into her, her thing about Easter. So I thought that was cute. Um, for us, though, today, as, as we celebrate Easter, Easter is so much more than just, as Todd said, chocolate eggs and family and friends. That's all wonderful. But today we celebrate a resurrected Savior and resurrection chapter. Um, a few verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the resurrection chapter. And Paul the Apostle is writing to the church of Corinth, and he's talking this entire chapter about all the significance of the resurrection. I just want to share with you his introduction because it's fascinating. He says this beginning in verse 3, and we'll put the words up on the screen for you. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance. Everybody say first importance. So this is pretty important. This is where he begins. And he says that Christ died for our sins. We sang about it. In accordance with the scriptures. Paul's saying that I can go back. He says I can go back to the Old Testament scriptures and the prophets. And I can show you how the Messiah is going to die for our sins and suffer on our behalf. So in other words, Jesus has fulfilled the prophecies of old. That's important. And then he continues. He says also that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. Once again, he says, in accordance with the scriptures. We could go back to the Old Testament. And he says, I could show you in the scriptures how Christ was going to die for our sins and then rise again. So he's basing this Easter significance, the resurrection significance on the Old Testament scriptures And of course, on the words of Jesus. And then he says this in verse 5, he begins to give us eyewitness accounts. And he says, And then he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter. Then to the twelve, those are his closest disciples and companions. 
Then it says he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. So at the time that Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians, he's saying there were over 500, including the disciples, uh, who saw Jesus, who, who walked with Jesus after he rose, who maybe ate a meal with him, who heard him speaking, some of whom touched the nail prints in his hands. These are people who are eyewitnesses to a resurrected Savior. And he says some of them are still alive even to this day, although some have, have died by this point when he writes the letter. So he's saying there are eyewitnesses to this resurrection. Then in verse 7, he says, Then he appears to James, and then to all the apostles. And I love this in verse 8. He says, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. I believe that what Paul is talking about here is the road to Damascus. So if you don't know Paul's story, his name was originally Saul, and he was persecuting Christians. He was trying to stop the church because he thought it was all heresy and and all that. And so he was literally going from town to town, arresting people who believed in the resurrection. Some of them were being killed. And while he's on his way to do that, Jesus appears to him on the road to Damascus. He sees the risen Savior, and his life and his heart and his future are absolutely transformed by catching a glimpse of the risen Savior. My hope today for you and for me, as we celebrate Easter, that we wouldn't just be thinking about the historical event that happened, but rather that we would come in some way to encounter a risen Savior, because that has the power to change your life and to change mine. Truly it does. And so, um, today, as I said, I could, I could, we could go to the Old Testament and we could see how Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecies of old, We could look at the words of Jesus, how he predicted his own death and resurrection, and that would all be amazing for Easter. But would it be enough? Could I convince you of all the evidence that Jesus truly rose? In fact, if if he were here in bodily form, standing on the stage, there would be many skeptics that would say, oh, that's just a Jewish guy in a robe. That's not the real, like, nice try. It's a good impression, but not the real Jesus. So there's no way that I could present enough evidence to prove it to you. And yet what we discover about Paul is that there's something even more significant. He, he has seen the evidence. He, in fact, Paul had seen the resurrected Savior. Wouldn't that be amazing? And yet, and yet he writes these words to the Philippian church. I want to share uh, just a few short words from his letter to the Philippians that have just captivated my heart and mind, and, and I want to share them with you today. He says this in Philippians 3, verse 10. He's talking about his desire, and he says this, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection. Look at those words. That I may know him, and the power. I've seen him. I know about him. I believe he rose. I believe he lives evermore, and yet he says, I want to know him. I want to know him. And he says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. He's not interested in more historical facts. Paul is interested in meeting and knowing the risen Savior. That's powerful. He he doesn't want to just hear that Jesus had the power to rise from the dead. He wants to experience the power of a resurrected Jesus in his life today. Isn't that amazing? And so today what I want to talk about, rather than just talk about what happened on the day of the resurrection, I want to talk about what happens because of what happened. I want to talk about the implications of the resurrection for our life. The first one that I want to share with you is this, that since we have a risen Savior, we can know the risen Savior. In other words, if he's alive, then relationship is possible. It's possible. See, when we sing today, when we pray at this service, we're not singing to an empty sky. 
We're singing to a God and a risen Savior who's receiving our worship. That's what we believe. And we can know that Savior because he lives. Honestly, uh, Paul says, look, I want to know him. I want to know him. In fact, if you read the context of the chapter, he wants to know Jesus more than anything else in life. And turkey is great. How many of you are having turkey uh, today, this weekend? A few hands. How many are having ham? Okay, how many don't know what you're having? It's going to be a surprise. Oh, a lot of hands. That's good. All right. All of that is great, but knowing him is greater. Some of you maybe are planning for, you maybe you're excited about this coming year. It's spring, and so wedding season is coming up. Maybe you're planning to get married, and you're just so excited about it, and it's just amazing. But can I tell you, there's something greater than marriage, knowing him. Maybe you're looking forward to retirement. You've been working all these years, and you're like, I'm finally going to retire. There's something greater than retirement, greater than grandchildren, greater than children, greater than winning the lottery. There is something, there is someone worth knowing that is greater than anything on this side of heaven. And his name is Jesus. Paul says, I want to know him. When I was, when I was about 14, 13, 14 years old, my grandmother, Doreen, Doreen, she passed away. And I remember that incident. As I reflect back on my grandmother, she was a wonderful lady. She was a great grandmother. And, uh, and I remember as a kid going to visit my grandmother, and my parents would sit in the living room talking, because that's what adults do. They just sit and talk all the time. And I remember them sitting in there, and me and my two brothers, we would sneak into the dining room where my, where my grandmother had this beautiful jar of candy. And we would raid the candy jar when nobody was looking, and we thought we were getting away with it. You know, it's like, oh, nobody caught us. And, and, but it just kept getting restocked the entire time we were there. Yeah. It's a great grandma, right? And here's the thing. She was just filling us up with sugar and then sending us home, right? Like, that, that's what she was doing. She was smart, because I noticed, I noticed that when, that when I, I went over to her house for a sleepover, the candy jar disappeared. So she knew exactly, now I know, she knew exactly, we weren't getting away with anything, she knew what she was doing. She was trying to punish my, my parents, uh, probably, um, for all the trouble they caused her. But, but I have these fond memories of my grandmother's candy and of, of spending these key moments with her. But there are days when I, and when I stop and I think, I wish I could know her in a different way. Like now as an adult with four children, my wife and I have four children, I wish I could sit down with my grandmother and talk to her about life and parenting because I know there's so many things she could share with me. And, and I, I'd love to sit down with her and say, um, how did you raise 18 children in a three-bedroom bungalow without killing any of them? It's assuming she didn't. I, I don't, maybe there was 19, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but how did you do it? She was so gracious. And I didn't, as a kid, I didn't recognize it. But, but as an adult, I go, man, I wish I could know her. But you know what? I can't because she is now gone She's parted, departed from this, from this world. And, and here's the thing. When Paul says, I want to know him, he's, he's not talking future tense. He's saying, I can know him now. So, so Paul is saying, look, I can know him more because he's alive. I, I can continue today and tomorrow and next week to get to know the risen Savior more because he is alive. And so if you're here today and you've never met Jesus and you've never had a relationship, you can begin to know him today. If you've been attending Easter services since you were this tall and you think you know about Jesus, can I tell you, you haven't scratched the surface of who he is and you can get to know him more today. That's the beautiful thing. Because he's alive, we can know the risen Savior. Here's the second thing Paul points to though. He says we can experience the power of the risen Savior. The power of the risen Savior. Um, Power is typically measured in something called watts. It's the most common unit of measurement for power. 
So you'd say a light bulb has 60 watts, or sorry, draws or uses 60 watts of power. Another light bulb uses 100 watts. So which one uses more power? 100 watts, yeah, because the bigger number, more watts, more power. That's good, right? And so you can get a, you can get a heater that has 1,000 watts. Uh, my car that I drove here is a Honda Civic, and uh, it has a little over 100 horsepower. It's pretty impressive, I know. And uh, that's about 75,000 watts for those of you that like math. So that's how much wattage it outputs. And, and so we can use these numbers, and we can use this to measure power. But let me ask you a question. How many watts are in the power of the resurrection? I mean, how much, when he says, I want to know the power, I mean, like, how do we measure that? I don't think there's a voltmeter that can contain that kind of power. I mean, is it a gigawatt? Marty, we need 1.21 gigawatts. Some of you recognize that? Yeah. Back to the future. Like, can I tell you, a, a, a gigawatt is, a, I think it's a billion watts. So that's like massive number that, like, you could power a lot of houses for a long time. That's a lot, a lot, a lot of power. Is the power of the resurrection a gigawatt? I don't even think that could even come close to comparing with the power of the resurrection. So what do we do when we, when we can't, dis- if we don't have a, a system, a way to measure the power of something, what do we do? Well, we can often do a comparison test, right? So if we didn't know how many horsepower my car had and how many yours has, yours probably has more than mine, unless you drove a Prius. <clears throat> Um, and if, if that was the case, I'm sorry. But if you're here, you probably have a vehicle with more power, and we could, we could figure that out without knowing the horsepower of your car and mine. We could just tie a chain between them, have a good old-fashioned tug-of-war. We could try it after the service if you want. Like, we, we could do that. We could just put a chain between two vehicles, and whichever one wins probably has more power. And I know there's a lot of engineers in our church, and some of you are just getting, like, your brain is just going on, because you're, you're thinking, well, it depends how much the cars weigh, and is it two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive, and does it have, you know, um, oh, you're ruining my illustration. So just let it go. More power wins the tug of war. Okay, that's the way we're going to do it. Um, so here's a question. How could we even catch a glimpse of the power of the resurrection. Like, how could we ever even contemplate how much power, because Paul says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. How could we ever figure it out? Well, maybe we should compare the power of the resurrection to another power that we all know about. Another power that nothing on earth could ever overcome. Now, I know you see this cross and you think, oh, this has got the white sash, the beautiful Easter cross. This is actually, um, this is actually just a distraction for what my real illustration is. Let me set it up for you. There is something on this earth that is so powerful, modern science cannot overcome it. No matter how much money you have, you can't overcome it. No matter how good you are, you can't overcome it. No matter how many organic carrots you eat, you cannot overcome it. You might delay it, but it's coming. It's death, of course. I know this is morbid, okay? I know you're thinking, it's Easter. You can't have a casket on this stage. Um... It took me a lot of energy to convince our staff that this was a good idea, so go with me, okay? Just smile. This is a good idea. Yeah. The reason why I wanted to have a casket on the stage is um, because of this. When I think about Easter, what what do I think about? I think about a tomb. I think about a stone tomb. But when I see a stone tomb, I think life, resurrection, Easter, and lemon-filled cupcakes, because we always have those at Easter. But all these things, these happy thoughts come flooding into my mind when I see a stone tomb. But here's the reason why that is, is because not one of my family members or friends have ever been buried in a a stone tomb. 
For a first century Jew, a tomb would have been a symbol of death. That's where they would have laid their ancestors. For us, most of us have seen friends and family placed in a box like this, maybe a little fancier than this one. Uh, Although I will say Andrew Friesen, our youth pastor, whipped this together in like an hour. That's pretty impressive, right? And I was looking at it, I was thinking, man, if this whole church, if the church closes or something, at least one of us is going to have a job. Um, He's got some skills. So so he made this thing, and I'm telling you, this thing is empty. Okay, you don't have to worry. There's no surprises. No one's going to jump out. Uh, There's some lines even I won't cross. Uh, so, So this is an empty casket, but it represents death. And death is the enemy that none of us can overcome in our own power, right? And honestly, most of us don't like to think about this. In fact, what we do, you know, is we we get lots of these and we put them around to try to like lessen the blow of the reality of death. But death comes to all of us and we don't want to think about it. In fact, we don't think about it unless someone close to us passes away or if there's a medical scare or a near-death experience. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, this comes for all of us. That there, we have some measure of time from here to there, and then it comes. And can I say, if you're here today and you've recently lost someone you love, th- this casket on the stage is not intended to, to deepen the blow for you. It's intended to help the rest of us grab the frame of mind that you now have, that life is fragile, and that in the end, we all face this moment. What do we do about it? But here's what's so amazing, is that when you, we consider the power of the resurrection, imagine if we could tie a chain between Jesus and death in the grave, and let them have an old tug of war. Guess who's going to win every single time? Jesus. And this is what we discover. When we look at the power of death and we allow it to sink in, we begin to catch a glimpse of the power of his resurrection. We begin to catch a glimpse of what he can do. Easter reminds us that the power of the resurrection is greater than the power of death. Isn't that good news? Paul says these words, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? You you stood laughing at me as though like you have no hope. And and he says, no, because Jesus rose, there is hope. Because Because Jesus rose, we don't mourn like those who have no hope. Death and sin and the grave have been conquered because of him. And it's honestly only when we really consider the significance of this moment in our lives when we even begin to understand the power of his resurrection. When I uh, attended my grandmother's funeral, which I told you about earlier, um, there were certainly tears and grief because that's, that's correct and proper uh, in that moment. But there was also a lot of joy. Everyone was just remembering her and singing. And, and it was just, there was a confidence that I got to see in my extended family that this, this, is not the end. Because Jesus rose again, this was not the end for my grandmother Doreen, and it would not be the end for us. Jesus had conquered the grave. So the resurrection of Jesus affirms this, that there is life beyond the grave. For most of us, we spend all of our days on this earth thinking only about this side. So from the time that we're born to the time that we leave this earth, uh, there's days That's very tragic. There's months. Some people only last a few months. Then some last decades and others 80, 90, 100 years, and that's a blessing. So, But our life is limited on this side, but we only think about this side. We try to ignore this because this is ugly, and we we don't even think about that. We just literally live in and think about this side of death, 
while we're on this earth. But there is another side. And if you ask yourself, uh, what's on the other side of death? What is, what's over there? We know very well what's over here, right? Work, eat, sleep, friendship, more work. <laughs> we got all this stuff. We know this side very well, but we don't know what's on that side. And, and world religions and different uh, thoughts have come along to say, well, what's over there is, and they describe it as, oh, it's, a, it's another place. It's a, it's a world. It's a kingdom. It's a this. It's a that. They talk about what's on the other side, the afterlife reincarnation no no actually there's nothing over there we just kind of recirculate over on this side we just stay on this side or there's nirvana we just kind of get absorbed into eternity whatever that is or for some oblivion like when we get to that moment everything ends for us but how can you know what's on the other side how can you actually know so you can never know what's on the other side of something until you've experienced it isn't that true I remember when, when my wife and I were first married, we used to go to the grocery store and you'd always see that poor, that poor young mother with multiple toddlers trying to get groceries and you just watch her struggling and your kids are just going crazy and, and we'd be watching that and in my mind, I would silently judge her and I would think, man, she doesn't know what she's doing. She should take a parenting class or something because, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that I could handle that. But then once I got there, I realized I had no clue what I was talking about because I hadn't been there. You know what I'm talking about? I remember my first job, I thought, hey, if I was the boss, everyone would be happy. Until I was a boss. And then I realized you can't make everyone happy. In fact, if everyone's happy, you're about to lose your job. Just like, just like if, if, uh, if your kids are finally quiet. It's like, wait, it's too quiet. Something is about to explode, right? Someone's about to get hurt. It is too quiet. It's like that. But you can't know these things until you've been to the other side. And so, um, what is on the other side? What is on the other side? Well, uh, in the scriptures, we have different prophets who, who give us glimpses. So if you read in the Old Testament prophets and you read in the book of Revelation, you'll discover descriptions of what heaven is like on the other side. And that's really cool. You hear these descriptions and it talks about pearly gates. Like, what's that all about? I don't, I don't even, like, I never once thought, I want pearly gates. It's just, it never crossed my mind. Like, that would be on my list of things I would want. And it talks about, you know, streets of gold and, and all of these colorful things and rivers of glass. And it's like, what? But, but the people who are writing it are catching a glimpse of something otherworldly. They're catching a glimpse of something that they could never put into words that we could understand. I mean, just something as simple as, as a vehicle. So uh, recently my wife came to me and she's like, our vehicle isn't working right. And then she began to describe for me what she was experiencing in that moment. And, and she didn't say, oh, there's, you know, there's a strange, you know, squeaking sound coming from the front quarter panel when I'm turning right and I'm applying the brake. I'd be like, oh, okay. She didn't say that. She said, our van sounds like a giant mosquito. <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's not helpful at all. Like, it, maybe it makes sense to you, but that's not helping. So if, if there's any mechanics here, see me after the service. If you know what that is, I'd love to know. Um, but in fact, as I was driving the vehicle later on the week, I heard it. I was like, yeah, it kind of does sound like a mosquito. So we don't know what the other side is like unless we can go there and experience it for ourselves. But here's the thing. No one has ever crossed over and come back to tell us about it. Oh wait, maybe someone has. Maybe there's somebody who crossed over the threshold of death and came back to tell us about it. Maybe there's somebody who has enough power that even the power of death could not contain him. His name is Jesus. And he comes back and he tells us 
about what it is like on the other side. I thought about entitling this message, Hello from the Other Side. I think I called a thousand times. Uh, but <laughs> I don't like the song, so I couldn't do that. Um, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> on this side, we have our lives on this earth, and on that side is eternity. What do you think's over there? Any, anybody got any guesses for me? No guesses? What's over there? I hear life. Because this is a really interactive message. Uh, uh, what's over there? Heaven, right? Uh, all these great things that are over there. And, and that's cool to think about. It's cool to think about, you know, what, you know, what things are going to be like over there and, and the way things are going to look. But here's, here's what I discover when I study the scriptures. Anytime there's a description of heaven in the Old and New Testament, it always centers around the throne of God. It always centers around God himself. It's like, there's God. There is the lamb that was slain. There is the, our Lord and Savior. And, and, and heaven always centers around him. So here's what I can tell you. That what's on the other side is our Lord and Savior. Didn't he say, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. The one who loved us enough to die for us is awaiting us on the other side saying, come to me. And so the one day we'll get to be with him. So, I mean, if you're thinking about heaven because of the streets of gold, I mean, you've missed the boat entirely. All right? If you love Jesus now, you're going to love heaven. I mean, if you want, like Paul, to know him and to know the power of his resurrection, you're going to love it over there. Because you're going to get to know him in a way that you won't on this earth. And you're going to get to experience and see the power of his resurrection in all of its reality. And so if you love him now, you're going to love heaven. Because heaven is about him. And it's about us being with him. And being in his presence. And so Paul says that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. But I want to highlight one more thing. Paul is not simply talking about over there. Paul's not saying one day I'll know him. Like, I just kind of believe that he rose, but one day I'll know who he is, and one day I'll experience the power of his resurrection. Paul's saying, no, I can know him and experience the power of his resurrection on this side, in this life. That's what he's pursuing. That's what he's pursuing. And it makes sense, because what he says next is this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and, he says, that I may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. What he's talking about is Paul's talking about how he's going to live on this side. He's like, it doesn't matter how bad my life gets. It doesn't matter what I have to face here because I know what I'm going to have there. He's looking to eternity. And this is exactly how the New Testament Christians lived. When you read the book of Acts, when you hear about those that saw a resurrected Jesus, they lived differently than everyone else. You see, uh, when you read the Beatitudes and you hear the words of Jesus when he says, love your enemies, you know that loving your enemies makes no sense on this side. But if there's a God, a righteous judge on the other side, then it makes total sense. When he says, turn the other cheek, we go, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't work on this side. But it makes sense in light of that side. When he talks about forgiving those who hurt you, it makes sense when you know you've been forgiven and so the New Testament Christians, they had this way about them because they weren't living for this side, they were living for that side. And so when someone came and, and took their money, they said, oh, you want my money? That's fine, I have riches in heaven. Oh, you want to treat me badly? That's okay, I have a God who loves me and I'll be with him in eternity. Oh, you want to take my life? Okay. My life is with God in Christ and I'll be with him for eternity. They were so 
other side minded, that it didn't matter what they had to face on this side. Paul's like, I, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection so much, it doesn't matter what happens to me on this side. In other words, we could say it this way. Paul would say, I want what is on the other side more than I want what is on this side. If Jesus did not rise, all we have is this side. That's all we have. All we have is this life if he did not rise. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 32. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. In other words, if there is no resurrection, then we can use the few short days and weeks and months that we have on this side for whatever advantage we think we can get and then everything ends. But if he rose, there is another side. If he rose, there is hope. If he rose, there is something for us in eternity. And honestly, here's where I wanted to land. I wanted to land with this thought and leave it with you. That what we believe about the other side will determine how we live on this side. See, it's easy to say, wow, I believe Jesus rose. Okay, well, what impact does it have on your life? Because there are a lot of people that say, I believe Jesus conquered this, and yet they only live for this side. Their thoughts, their actions, their morality, the way they handle their time and their money, it's all focused on this instead of what is over there. And if we believe that Jesus truly rose, then, then there is something on the other side, and it changes the way we live the way we treat people on this side. In fact, if somebody believes in the resurrection, you should be able to tell very quickly by the way they live. And so if Jesus rose, it changes everything. We have hope, we have peace, we have life. And if life with him awaits us on the other side, then here's the question that each and every one of us must decide. Which side will you live for? This side or that side? Maybe a better way to put that, for whom will you live? Will you live for yourself? Will you live for this world and its pleasures? Or will you live to know him and the power of his resurrection? You see, Easter changes everything. A risen Savior changes everything. And, and I wanted to leave you with this thought that if he has so much power that he could conquer death, do you think he has enough power to handle whatever's going on in your life right now? Of course he does. That's the power of the resurrection. If he didn't need your help on that Easter Sunday to come back from the grave, he's not dependent on your strength in this moment. It's the power of his resurrection at work in you. And I want to close with this thought that, that Paul leaves us with in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56. He says, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we pray together? Father, I thank you for this morning. And uh, Lord, as we contemplate the power of the cross, as we think about not only your sacrifice, but as we think about the power with which you came back from the dead, when we think about the implications of the resurrection, how it changes our perspective, how it changes everything in our lives. Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this room who has never made you the Lord of their life, they've never looked to Jesus and said, I want to know you, that they would do that today before leaving this place. 
And Lord, for those of us who maybe have been Christians and walking this journey for a while, Lord, that we would just be, just be captivated by the thought that we can know our Lord and Savior more today, that we can experience the power of his resurrection in our lives even today. Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for conquering the enemy that we could not conquer, for paying the price that we could never pay, and for bringing us freedom through the resurrection. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.